0: Sox fans, here are the
1: Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Friday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Anaheim Angels... Losing another one, two games to one. They are currently tied for last place in the American League East with the Baltimore Orioles, eight and a half games back from the New York Yankees. Quick disclaimer, as always, this has been super relevant this season, uh, unfortunately, but for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach. South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at Cushman MLB. You can find the podcast account at bastards underscore Boston. And joining us tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? <laughs> I've I've been better. Um, I've been better.
2: Uh First of all, I want to put, apologize to the listeners for my voice. Uh, allergy season's hitting me pretty hard. But unlike the Red Sox, I'm fighting through adversity, and I'm here. So uh, I'm going to tough it out, unlike they you know, they can ever do. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not been a fun couple, you know, month or, you know, a little over a month, but uh, we'll just see how it goes, I guess. I mean, one series after another, I'm just waiting for them to actually win one at this point. So we'll see.
1: If anybody's wondering the series record on the year, one win, six losses, and then one tie, which was Minnesota also joining us tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan, Andrew, Andrew, First off, I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Alcohol,
0: for making the last two nights possible to get through. Um, really helped me deal with uh, getting through the eighth innings and beyond. So f- shout out to them. I uh, fully recommend other people try it.
1: You I do sub- not need a prescription when you self-medicate. That's true. You- exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it's the best way to go. Yeah, I've got a two six packs of hard ciders I haven't cracked into <laughs> yet. But you guys had Down East hard cider. It's a it's a Massachusetts.
2: I'm a I'm a big fan of Down East. Very very good. You like yeah. it? Okay.
0: Yeah,
1: that's all I like. I'm not a big beer guy, but I don't like wine, so I, I don't know if cider falls into the girly category or not. <laughs> no, <laughs> Just I, tell I, people
0: I you're gluten free. Oh, Still, that-
1: you can get away <laughs> with it, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I I'll always try the local ones anyway wherever I am. All right, so I'm gonna be kind of a dud heavy um, episode. We'll probably start on that side, but we're in last, guys. And I'm just looking down the standings right now. There's only two teams that are worse than the Red Sox, and that's the Detroit Tigers and Kansas City Royals, both at eight and fifteen. This is bad. Like, really bad. You were regret in
0: that decision.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like as close to
2: rock bottom as you can get this early on. Uh that's that's pretty pathetic. And an American league that we sort of looked at as like, uh, eh, it's, it's okay, but there's a lot of below average teams. So Red Sox should absolutely be in the playoff hunt in this, you know, in the American league. And now they're tied, you know, they're one of the bottom three. That's, that's completely unacceptable
1: absolutely brutal but all right so let's get into it uh there's gonna be some uh, interesting uh takes uh with our studs and duds choices we'll uh go on the dud side of it first since we did lose the series so andrew go ahead who is your dud for the angel series um
0: for the second week in a row actually i just realized i did that um it is tanner halk I don't know what the hell happened to him today. That was that was an implosion. F- uh, five hits, seven runs, and two in the third. I, that's, that's not what we expect. If he can't get through three innings, how is this guy supposed to get through five or six? He isn't the same guy as when he had to leave the rotation. Um, it, I don't know if it has to do with, uh, you know, just – Thrown off his workload or what it, whatever it is, it's mental. He looked like one of the best pitchers in the game in the first three batters he faced. Struck him all out. Struck side. It was great. It was drilled the guy that and the guy swung at it. So and then, then he just absolutely falls apart. I, it was totally unforeseen. You felt good about this. It's like all right, Rich Hill just lets up one hit. We're bringing in Halk. We're not going to let up a run. Just get one. And it turns out we needed eight. So. I thanks Tanner. I uh, figured this out really quick because we can't afford to have this.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially since you were going toe to toe with Shohei the entire day. I mean, that, that's a, that's a win in of itself. And Tanner Howe comes in, like you said, the first three batters he faced, it's like, Ooh, okay, there we go. That's the Tanner Howe I want to see. He looked really good. And then it just completely unraveled. It was, Base hit after base hit, wall ball double after wall ball double. Um, You know, you can't really blame anyone else. You can't blame the defense for letting him down. He just, he was getting tagged. And I don't know if it's because his confidence was shaken by being moved out of the rotation, being moved to the bullpen. Um, It kind of seems like he's a guy who can easily get inside his own head. So that wouldn't shock me if he was just overthinking things, given his new role at the moment but not good. I mean, again, it, you know, Tanner Houck is not Garrett Whitlock. He, he is not the guy who can come in at the end of a game and, you know, as Dave O'Brien likes to say, be the hammer in the back of that rotate or the back of that bullpen. That's not Tanner Houck. He proved that today. Uh, that Angels lineup, it's good, but it's not like, it's not that good. I mean, they're, they're probably a little bit above average as a lineup, but they don't have Fletcher. Trout wasn't in there. Like, I don't know. It just, that, that should not have happened today. So that was a uh, massive fail on the part of Tanner Houck in terms of if that's going to be his new role. um, I don't think he's going to be very good at it.
1: Hopefully it was just a blip. If you can take anything positive from today's uh, implosion, as Andrew put it, he did only walk one guy. So he was just kind of getting slapped with hits and I don't pull was catching him. I, I don't know if there's something to that, uh, but it's clearly mental. And I think you guys are on to something. It does kind of trace back to when the team went to Toronto, he couldn't go. He's in some kind of a funk. I don't know if he's affected by the Garrett Whitlock situation. Maybe he's looking at it like, like Whitlock's taking my spot now and that's kind of screwing with his head as well. So, uh, hopefully he, he turns it around. I mean, we need, we need him to be at least a solid three inning guy if he's not gonna be in the rotation, but, <laughs> but the rotation continues to overperform. And I, I just, I can't believe where, uh, for as good as they are, you know we're we're on paper in the standings as as bad as we are. So hopefully Tanner gets it together. Uh Jason, go ahead. Your stud, uh, excuse me, your dud for the series. Yeah, my dud is
2: Alex Cora, Um and by extension of that, it's Alex Cora plus kyan bloom plus any member of upper management that decided garrett whitlock has to be in the rotation and tanner Hauck has to go to the bullpen uh it, it piggybacks just off of what we were saying that you know tanner Houck only missed one start he, he just couldn't go to toronto and yeah we we on this show we ripped him for that and i think rightfully so because i think at the end of the day if you want to be a starter and you want to pitch against you know your division rival, you should do what it takes to be in that series. But we went over that last week. We don't have to rehash it, but he only missed one start. And it's not like he went on the IL and all of a sudden Alex Cora and the Red Sox brass decide, well, you're going to go to the bullpen, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. And Garrett Whitlock's going to stay in the rotation. And I just, I hate the move. Garrett Whitlock was a weapon for you out of that bullpen, you could bring him in in the sixth, seventh inning, and he would close down a game. And we saw it today. Tanner Howell cannot do that. Now, look, Garrett Whitlock gave you a great start to, you know, yesterday, right? You you know, nine strikeouts, only two earned runs allowed. But then the bullpen gave it up because he wasn't back there. And would you rather have those nine strikeouts in the beginning of the game or later on in the game when you're hanging on to a one-run lead, I think the answer's pretty obvious there. And then today was today was a screaming indictment of that decision because you're in a nothing nothing game, you're up against Shohei Otani. both offenses are being stymied, and you bring in Tanner Houck to be the new Garrett Whitlock, to you know to put it in for lack of a better term, and he gives up seven runs in one inning, or you know over one inning. I mean that was a joke. That that's that's such an indictment on that decision. So it's just I don't understand what Red Sox management Cora and the rest of them are doing here. It's like everyone is screaming in your face. Garrett Whitlock is a bullpen weapon. Not a starting rotation weapon. He's a bullpen weapon. And they go, "Yeah, but we want him to be a starter." Don't get us wrong, we're not going to let him go over 5 innings. Because the binder says he can't go past five innings, but we still want him in the starting rotation. And we're going to leave the bullpen up to guys like Matt Barnes and all those other guys. How's that working out for you? Again, you lost another series today against a team that quite frankly, you should be better than like, I know the angels are improved and I, I think they will be hanging around for most of the year, but the Red Sox should be better than this team. And it's another series that they lose because Alex Cora and management just they continue to make bad bad roster decisions. And it's just getting so frustrating at this point. It's like, at what point are you guys gonna pull your heads out of your asses and realize what's going on here? So I'm really down on the job Alex Cora has done so far this year. And I hope it gets better, but I'm not convinced it will.
0: Yeah, kind of hard to follow that one, but um I guess I will say I do think they felt some pressure from the fan base or maybe they were looking for a jolt by throwing Whitlock into the rotation. I'm not too sure. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be for long. But the one bone I do have to pick with Cora is just give Matt Strom the closing gig. Can we? I, 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 that, that He's my closer. I don't want to see anyone else in there. Give Robles the eighth. I think Diekman's a good pitcher, but you can't bring him in with guys on base. He needs a clean inning. Um, I I just need to see a little more organization out there. Uh, Just give me Matt Strong, Alex Cora.
1: I have a lot of problems with Cora in terms of, of leadership. I, I just don't think he fires this team up enough. That's been my complaint going back to 2019. I just feel like when their backs are against the wall, He, instead of firing up him, instead of, excuse me, tripping over myself, instead of firing up the team, he's babying them. And I I don't like that. And we have seen them flip the order around a little bit. I can't complain about that. You know, story went from six to the, to the top of the order. Golden sombrero today, but, but I, I think he's ultimately going to be best up there. They're trying to find a spot for Kike, so I don't mind that, but I just don't. I don't see any fire, and I don't see any toughness from this team. R- real quick on Whitlock, I was going to talk about him later, but since we got that deep into it, I'm just not sure that our rotation is sustainable. How long is Waka going to have a sub two ERA or even a a sub three and a half ERA if he comes back down to earth? Most of the most of the starters are overperforming, but it's going to be hard to. To keep Whitlock stretched out if you want to if you want to minimize him and then by the time July comes, oh, crap, we need him back in the rotation and then to go through the process of. Of stretching him back out he did only go five innings in this start but he i think he threw like 78 pitches he was definitely in the 70s so that's the most stretched out he's been i I think he'll he'll pitch more than that potentially uh in his next start if, if it is in fact a start um but I don't. I think it could mess him up if you're if you're doing the yo-yo thing with him from from one to the other, and I think there's a little bit of apprehension there um, with Alex core in the front office, and it, it pains me because you definitely could use that arm in the bullpen. I, I I totally get it, and to Andrew's point, Strom at a minimum has to replace Diekmann in in the eighth. You gotta you gotta move him at least to there, Robles. I was trying to pull up that game log. He was fine for, for a minute in that ninth inning. And then I think trout came up or uh, Rendon. He was basically going into the heart of the order. So he was going to have some combination of trout Rendon Otani. And it's like, he got spooked. He got spooked and he just couldn't, he couldn't throw strikes. He, he was walking people and just completely lost it. And then Diekman came in, and he's either hot or cold. Unfortunately, was cold, and um, you know things went sideways. But I don't know. So that's kind of my thoughts on all of that. I'm I'm not a I'm not a core guy. You guys know that. I'm, but I'm not putting up fire core hashtags either. I'm you know not going to any extremes with them. But when this team is in a hole. I just don't know that Alex Cora has the right leadership style to, to dig them out of it. And, and, and that's my big complaint so far in 2022 with, with Alex Cora, any more thoughts on any, any of that? Oh, we lost Jason.
0: No, I think that kind of really covers the bases with, um, with Cora and just um, almost, I don't even want to call it micromanaging of the bullpen, but just maybe overthinking of the bullpen at the moment. Well, actually,
1: what about, what about the Waka start now? nothing was, fatal happened because we won anyway, but. I was fine with it. Otani absolutely raked one in the first inning.
0: Um, so I, I don't want to give Otani a third look at Michael Waka. Quite frankly, um, he absolutely smoked when that story caught. I forget what happened in the second at bat, but at that point, you have Michael Walker having full confidence leaving a game, feeling great about himself. I don't know. I just I, – I actually like the move of pulling him out. I was. It was unfortunate that Otani was coming up in that position.
1: I, I mean, I still don't like it. I mean, we've seen – the. The bullpen faltered in games two and three not that one i mean we got we got good Deekman that night and uh, Ryan Brazier had his fifth straight scoreless appearance uh, continues to to throw the ball pretty well as of late got two strikeouts uh, in that outing as well in game one but um I don't know. It, it bit us with Evaldi a, uh, a few starts ago when they took him out with seventy-two innings. Uh, seventy-two innings. <laughs> I'm- yeah,
0: that one I had a problem with because I mean, Nate's used to going over a hundred if you need him to, and I know they're worried, as most teams are right now, about the, you know, the abbreviated spring training and putting too much wear and tear on the arms early, but. I do think Nate could have persevered. Well, not even persevered. I think he easily could have lasted that uh, extra inning. And that wasn't that wasn't Cora, right?
1: Oh, you know what? That was. You're right. You're absolutely right. Was that, yeah, that, that was, was that Will. That was venerable. That was venerable, right? Yeah.
0: And yeah, I. I wasn't a huge fan of that audition by Will Venerable either. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought he kind of lacked some fields for uh, for the game. Um, there was a situation where they said that they were going to piggyback Hauk, uh, and then they didn't, and they just absolutely blew up. So, yeah, that was weird to me that he took uh, took Nate out, because I think he said we didn't want to face him at the top of the order, but it was actually 7-8-9 coming up.
1: No, actually, so what he work. said was they had highlighted that before the game. Like, they they wanted Strom against a certain three guys late. Yeah, I think it
0: was the one, two, and three, and they weren't coming up. Okay. Because it, it was, like, super inconsistent with what he said and what the actual uh, case was at that point of the game.
1: It just seems like uh, – I think – at some points, the the Red Sox just take the analytics too far, and uh, and that's the, that was a product of that. And yeah, you didn't, you didn't miss much, Jason. We're we're still kind of no, you, Even my internet's fed up with the Red Sox.
2: It's like no, nah, I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. My my dud for the the series is is going to be Matt Barnes who. Um, in in game two, gave up three earned late. Just uh, doesn't continues to just flounder uh, in high leverage roles. I'm not sure why he's getting high leverage roles. The dude's been the dude's been barely mediocre. His almost his entire career. He's had some nice flashes here and there, but they weren't sustainable. And he's got an extension, uh, a, I think it was a two-year, uh, $14 million deal roughly, so roughly seven per, and he's, is this, yeah, and this is the first year of it, I believe. So, yeah, he signed it last year uh, before he took a bad nose dive, and it just seems like they're trying to, they're trying to justify that contract like they're trying to salvage it and they're forcing it and it's just it's just not working it's just not working and he needs to be in more of a mop-up role in low leverage bring him out if we're either way ahead or way behind let him get his work in there but he's in his what he's what thirty two thirty three something like that a lot of these guys have a short shelf life, and the elite relievers that have stuck around over the years they've found ways to reinvent themselves and it just doesn't seem like Matt Barnes is ever gonna make any sort of transition like that i I just have no faith in him and you can go back to twenty seventeen there was a point before the playoffs and John Farrell was still the manager. John Farrell loved Matt Barnes. He was his favorite guy. And Barnes apparently had to... i No, actually, I can't remember if he got injured or he was optioned. But it just felt like Dave Dombrowski was making a move with Matt Barnes. So John Farrell couldn't bring him out of the bullpen and, and blow more games late. Because that was the year we we ultimately won the division. Played Houston, but New York was reeling us in, and this big lead we had suddenly got whittled down, and uh, it came down to just the last few games. I think we did clinch in game one fifty nine or one sixty or something, but it it was really close, and you know Barnes was having his typical second season, uh, second half of the season meltdown. I'm just tired of it. I, I don't want to see Matt Barnes anymore, and it was so predictable. As soon as he was coming out of the bullpen, you knew it was going to go sideways.
2: Yeah, I I, I think Matt Barnes cooked, and I think they gave I think they gave a contract extension to a guy who was part of the Spider Tech crew. I mean, when he was having that incredible first half, that was before MLB cracked down on substances and checking the pitchers after every inning. And then as soon as they did that, he went downhill and he typically has second half collapses anyways. But I really think that, I mean, that first half, He, you know, people were like, man, he looks like Rivera out there with, you know, just how efficient he is closing out games. It's like, yeah, I mean, all signs point to, he was probably using something and you said it, the guy's 33 at this point. He's, it feels like he's been pitching forever. Um, he's got a lot of mileage on that arm, so he was probably using a little something extra to help himself out. Now he doesn't have that, and the fastball is a lot more hittable. The curveball isn't deceiving people anymore. He's just kind of an average show now, and you bring him in in high-leverage situations, and you pointed out it's, they're trying to justify the contract extension. They're trying to squeeze as much out of him as they can because they're sitting there going, well, we gave him – Two years, 14000000 million. We've got to at least tack on some saves to his record to make it look good. And he just doesn't have it anymore. I, I think he's completely cooked. And um, I think if it weren't for that contract extension, he wouldn't be in this bullpen. I, I really think that's how bad he's gotten. So it's a shame because I know he's you know a local guy. He's been here forever. And he's had some great moments with the Red Sox. But ultimately, it's just not working anymore. He just doesn't mm-hmm. have it.
0: Yeah, you know, I I have seen the spider attack thing uh, thrown out there. I I actually don't think that's the case. His fastball has lost five miles an hour. That's the biggest thing. And it inexplicably has lost five miles an hour. So I don't know if it's a mechanical thing, and that's why they keep bringing him out. They're like, maybe like Pavetta was able to do a couple starts ago. He can work some kinks out, get his, you know – uh delivery down where he's getting more torque but it doesn't seem to be the case and i think his days are limited i really don't think they're gonna hold on to him too much longer uh they got some arms that will be ready hopefully by june um just in the bullpen that i they're not gonna hesitate they'll they'll cut him they'll they will cut him there's no one's gonna you know take a contract on so i I really don't. I think his days are numbered in Boston. It sucks. I just don't know where that five mile five miles an hour went, and I, I honestly feel bad for him. I mean, he's still trying. You know, it, this is probably killing him, but he he's his arm looks shot,
1: not the same guy. And I just when he came out, I was like, oh goody. Matt Barnes, and before you knew it, Taylor Ward hit a hit a home run, jacked one. Uh, Mike Trout, um, you know, hit a single and um, he walks Otani. It just just painful to watch. So, all right, let's get into some uh, dishonorable mentions here. Alex Verdugo. Down to two seventeen and only a ten percent strikeout rate, so it's not like he's whiffing nonstop. I mean, he's not near the top of the uh strikeout chart like um, uh, you know, Trevor Story twenty leads the team today. He'd be tied uh if he didn't strike out at all today with Bobby Dahlbeck, who has uh twenty five. Kike Hernandez, big big strikeout problem there, but but going the wrong way for a guy we're utilizing in the uh you know five six hole
2: yeah verdugo to me feels like he's trying to do too much um like he he doesn't he doesn't take walks he doesn't strike out either he really wants to make contact um and i just i see him just lunging at pitches that are outside the zone um he's rolling over a lot of ground balls to second base like it just it feels like he's very jumpy at the plate, and again, I, I think that's his personality. He's he's kind of a fiery guy anyway, and I think he knows the team is struggling, and he's just pressing a little bit. He's trying to do too much, and that's it's tough because how do you tell a guy, hey, don't you know, do less, right? Like less is more. It's I don't think Verdugo is the kind of guy that wants to take that approach, but it is tough to see him struggling because man, it, they need him. They need him to get on base, be a table setter. Um, I, we don't need him for power. I, I don't need Alex Verdugo to hit power, but just get on base and, and give good at bats, and he hasn't been doing that lately.
0: I'm not worried about him. Um, well, actually, I was worried when he was grabbing his back the other night, uh, but I think a lot of his issues lately have been bad luck. He's got an uh, expected batting average of three oh one so far this year. So I, he's been drilling them right out, people. If he was rolling over more on some of these, like he did his first year here when it was just like light ground ball the second, I'd be a little more concerned. But some of these shots have been right up the middle, and the second baseman is no business being positioned, or the shortstop has no business being positioned where he was. And there was a lot of that this series throughout for everyone on the lineup.
1: Devers was two for twelve on the series. Interestingly, though, he's only drawn three walks on the season so far. That's he's swinging I, like
0: a madman. That's yeah.
2: why <laughs> he—he's he, starting to really hack up there. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's trying to hit it like
0: eight hundred feet every single time.
1: I just feel like I just feel like he, he's got to. Devers just needs to get locked in a little bit more, be a little more patient at the plate, and, um, you know, he'll go back to. It seems like last year when – remember when he kind of got exposed for not driving fastballs? He was just sitting on on, all the off-speed stuff. It just seems like that was kind of a a turning point to where he just started swinging for the fences a lot more, so – Hopefully he gets that together, especially where he's sitting uh, in the two hole all the time. Uh, not a great series for Kike Hernandez either. Not having a great year, one for eight. Uh, had today off, uh, a day he probably needed. And I know I'm critical of Cora for over resting some guys, but but Kike, not. Uh, Not a big presence uh, in the, in the lineup this year. Where's he hitting 189 on the year. So not great. Uh, Do we want to talk about Deakman? I mean, are we concerned? Very one dimensional slider or nothing guy basically.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I would say I'm, I'm not big C concerned. I'm like, Small C concerned. I just think this suit Deakman is. Who is. Um, he, he can be electric. He can strike out the side sometimes, but he can also run into trouble. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what you signed up for when you got him. So it's going to happen. Uh, hopefully it just doesn't happen too much more.
0: Can we be concerned that Christian Vasco, Vasquez called for like freaking sliders in a row and forgot that Deakman is a 97 mile an hour fastball, which – I forgot what it was, Walsh or whoever would have swung out of his ass at. He would have been so lost on that after four or five street sliders. And he doesn't call it once. It's like, dude, just throw it up in the zone. He's going to swing at it. No, nothing. Slider, you know, where it was going to be every time he timed it up once, roped a foul ball he got lucky on. And then he calls for it again. It's like, you know, at some point that has to fall Christian Vasquez.
1: You know, it's interesting that you point that out cuz I think he might have actually frozen with a fastball. Wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> I think he would have too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would have even swung at it. Just would have been caught off guard, especially after the third or fourth, but Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Vasquez guy, so preaching to the choir there. Um anyone else? Uh, I think we just about covered everyone on the uh on the dud side of it, Robles struggling a little bit. But, I mean, even if he's not a closer, he's still by default one of our higher leverage guys for now, I would say.
2: Yeah, I, I think Robles, you're kind of stuck with him at this point. Like, you know, you, you can't give up on him too quickly because who the hell else are you going to go to in the late innings at this point? So um, it, it'll happen, but I'm I'm okay with Robles still.
0: Yeah, give me it. I'm fine with
1: it. I mean, the absolute floor for him is uh, Alfredo Asemis 2.0. I don't think he'll be that bad, though. Yeah. All right. Let's get over to the stud side of it. The audience can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes at this one. Go, Andrew. Yeah, I'm going with the outfielder that
0: currently is the highest war on the team. Uh, that's Jackie Bradley Jr. He went five for seven. I know we're all shit on him all year long. Um, he was great this year. He saw Otani and didn't give a damn. He really, like, he was hitting off him. He smacked one to the warning track, dead center. He roped a double, roped another one. And honestly, if they won the game today, it would have been because of him uh jackie bradley at home has been pretty nuts he's i think over 400 right now um on the road he's been trashed so I, the home road splits are insane home jackie bradley has been a hell of a player so uh i have no issues with him batting in the eight hole especially you know if one through seven are doing what we remotely expect i think we'd be a lot happier with uh jackie and see him in a completely different light if that was the case yeah, he's,
2: he's been fine. He's been fine. I, you know, look, he's when, when the offense is this bad, of course, Jackie Bradley Jr. In his one good week is going to stand out. Oh, he went five for seven. You know, he's, he's actually getting on base. He's, he's actually not useless. Like I Jackie. And, and it's not, it's not so much a Jackie Bradley Jr. Narrative as much as it is like just a narrative about this whole team this year. It's like, this is what we're celebrating. This is what we've been reduced to. We're celebrating Jackie Bradley Jr. Going five for seven in a series that we lost because that's the best offensive production we can come up with. Like Devers, like you said, wasn't good. Trevor's story. Wasn't good. Bogarts is hitting, but who cares? Because the team doesn't want him. So who cares? Verdugo's goes not hitting like, I just, I'm not going to get all jazzed up because Jackie Bradley Jr. remembered how to hit for a week. We all know what this is going to turn into. He's, he's still going to lead the team in strikeouts. Well, if he doesn't, it'll be Bobby Dalback, but he'll be one or number one or number two. He's still going to end the year hitting below 200, and this fan base will continue to overrate everything he does. I still hate that he's here. I know that Hunter Renfro outstate is welcome, but I still would rather have him. I'm not going to lie. I don't care about the prospects they got back. Um, the Jackie Bradley Jr. trade is just still one of the more baffling things to me. This Benellis kid, he better be able to hit because if if he's – if this Benellis kid turns into a dud, then this is one of the worst trades in Red Sox history. So um, congrats to Jackie Bradley Jr. for remembering how to hit for a week. Uh, it didn't do anything for the team. They still lost two out of three. Um, maybe that's because the rest of the team sucked. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to get all jazzed up about it. We all know how this is going to end. So, whoopee, you know, throw a little celebration for Jackie, but we all know where this is going.
1: He was hitting, I think, 165 coming into the series, and then his five-for-seven performance got him exactly up to 200. But if you look at some of the other um, categories, he's slugging 293. His OPS is 561, you know, almost 200 points below average. Um, so I'm not a Bradley guy. He's not this series, but in some other ones, I mean, he's stranded a lot of base runners. Um, you know, the series before this one, he had the bases loaded and rolled one to first base. And he's just not a guy I want to rely on. And, this outfield is probably one of the worst outfields in, in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, we just said Alex Verdugo hitting 217, Kike Hernandez 189. I put a tweet out this week and I I asked our our followers. I said, when when did we have an outfield this bad when we expected to compete, you know, and be a contender and You know, Andrew pointed out a couple of years, twenty fourteen, definitely one of them. Twenty twelve, we were bad uh, in the outfield as well. Um, I think all we had was Ellsbury, and I think he was dinged up for a couple of months at least. But, but you look at all the outfields we've had in the World Series era. This one not great, and. Kike overperformed last year. I also had another stellar tweet earlier in the week. I said, "Did we trade the wrong guy? Should we have traded Kike instead of Renfro?" And it was a hardcore no. You know, everybody was pro Kike, and to be honest, I probably would have been too. But I just don't think it's it's cut and dry. And Renfro's hitting like two fifty three right now. And at last, I checked, he had. I think six or seven home runs. He's basically starting to be the guy he was last year uh, offensively. And interestingly, he has played some first base this year for the Brewers. So, um, yeah, that, that's interesting. But that Brewers team's getting hot. I They, they were one of my picks. I yeah. told you, watch out for the Brew crew. They're going to be good. Yeah, I'm going with
0: the I think the Red Sox would even be hit the hit the twenty twenty two Cincinnati Reds though, so they're they're facing a team that I think we might actually the three bus could probably put about seven runs up.
1: <laughs> true, true, yeah. So it's I'm not a it's hard to to get excited about Bradley. There, there may be some more uh, Bradley talk in the next show, though. I, I might have some some takes uh, in regards to him. But he did have a good series, so, you know, we'll, we'll have him as a, as a stud. Uh, go ahead, Jason, your stud for the series.
2: My stud is Rich Hill. Um, and kind of like Jackie Bradley Jr., I'm not going to get overly excited because I know that Rich Hill has a certain ceiling Um, but today he you couldn't have asked for any better six innings six strikeouts no runs he he was he was good today and he went toe-to-toe with Shohei and kept you in that ball game now again this Angels lineup is good it's not at its best Trout was not in there today David Fletcher's on the IL Um, you know so that that's a big part of it but he was great and look Rich Hill was one of these guys, like, this series, I looked at him and Waka, it was like two guys that, when they were signed here, I kind of went, ugh, really? Like, we're we're really going to run it with these guys? Okay. But they were excellent in this series, both of them. And Hill was the guy that, when they brought him back, I thought, okay, yeah, all right, let's let's bring back 42-year-old Rich Hill to pitch three innings and get shellacked, and that'll be it. But... He's been much better than that. He's provided a lot of stability in the back end of your rotation. Um, And quite honestly, if, if today you had Whitlock piggybacking him instead of Tanner Houck, maybe you win that ball game. I mean, who knows with this offense, because they're so anemic that, you know, they could have lost a one to nothing game today, but he was, he did his job. Six innings, six Ks, didn't allow a run. And for a guy who's your number five starter, who is you know one of these guys that we look at and say is he going to be there in the second half if if and when paxton and sale get healthy um he's proving that he at least deserves some consideration for staying in that rotation so i couldn't be more happy with the job he did today i wish that the red sox offense and the bullpen for that matter uh, rewarded him for that effort but it is what it is and um at the very least i think when rich hill's on the mound he's going to battle for you and he's going to keep you in the game and for a 42-year-old who's at the back end of your rotation, you can't ask for much more than that. So I've been very impressed.
0: Yeah, Rich Hill was one of the guys that was calling for a pre lockout to get signed. Um, I really actually wanted... I have got some tweets going back to then. I wanted them to do what they did today, uh, where it was him and Hulk creating an eight-inning starter. I uh, expected to go better than this, but <laughs> uh, it didn't. So... I, Rich Hill has been, he's been as good as you can expect. He had that one blip where people got on him, but I mean, it was literally like 48 hours after his father had passed away. Uh, Since then, he's been nothing short of remarkable. Uh, The Red Sox have faced some pretty damn good opponents, and he's been up to the challenge. If this Red Sox team isn't a contender by July, June, July, and he's still pitching like this, Honestly, he's an asset, and this was a great signing no matter what. Because if you can flip a 42-year-old Rich Hill for any semblance of a prospect return, I mean, that's, that's a win at the end of the day. So I, I hope Rich keeps this up because he's, he's really fun to watch. He's a craftsman. He's not just going up there throwing 101, just giving it his all. He's grunting throwing 68-mile-an-hour curveballs. It, it's like watching Wakefield again.
1: He's got his ERA down to, where is he? I just had it, 286. So today's uh, six innings, it was his longest uh, outing of the year. Um, Really was able to drop that. I think he was up to seven at one point. But here's the impressive thing about today's outing. It was his longest, six innings. First inning, three batters up, three batters down. Second inning, three batters up three batters down third inning three batters up three batters down only in the fourth inning did you know he have to work a little bit he he gave his only walk of uh the appearance of the start to taylor ward and then a couple of batters later uh shohei otani managed to get a single that was the only hit and in the fifth inning three batters up three batters down sixth inning three batters up three batters down. And he, he struck out the side, uh, in that inning as well. So great outing. He's one of those guys. It's, I'm not going to say going to be like a roller coaster, but he's going to have his good games. He, he's going to have games where he's getting slapped around a little bit. And, um, to Andrew's point, I mean, the Rays flipped him to the Mets last year. And, uh, I, I don't think they got necessarily a huge trade, but, uh, there will be uh some phone calls uh in regards to him and probably a deal if if you know if we continue to stay at the bottom of the division but but through what are we 5 weeks of the season not even actually with the late start he's been as good as you hoped he really has been so all right my stud for the series, kind of got into him, so we don't have to get into this too much, but had to go with uh, Garrett Whitlock. Five innings pitched, two hits. One of them, unfortunately, was a two-run shot. Um, those were the only two runs he gave up. Did not walk anybody and struck out nine. Is he the strikeout leader of the Red Sox now?
2: I would imagine he has to be at this point.
1: It's either Emma uh either him or Rivaldi. No, it's Evaldi. Yeah. Valdi's got thirty two strikeouts on the air, but uh Whitlock right behind him at twenty nine and then it really drops off. Houck is actually uh tied at third with Pavetta at twenty one, so they're they're well above uh the the next two guys in the in the order. Lock is not a big strikeout guy, uh, I know. It's he only got he only had two strikeouts, two walks, two strikeouts. So a lot of a lot of contact outs uh, from him. But but getting back to Whitlock, just utterly dominant. And I uh, I didn't get to see any post game comments, so I don't know what Alex Cora's plans are. Uh what is the schedule he will not be pitching against um the White Sox. We have the Yeah, Braves. I thought they
0: I thought they said they were going to like kind of reset after this weekend. It would um okay. they'd have a clearer picture of set roles.
1: We've got a weird week next week. Yeah, so there's actually two off days next week. You got Monday and then you got the first National League series of the year with the Braves, so those are always two, you know, away, two at home at some point. So, um, so with an off day on Monday and Thursday, I guess that would be, uh, uh, you know, a time where you could reshuffle things a little bit. Braves struggling a little bit this year as well, if I'm not mistaken. World Series hangover, but... <laughs> They were sub 500 in late July last year. And then look what happened. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And they didn't have uh, their outfielder there. Acuna uh, by that point. All right. Uh, Not a, well, we can get into a few real quick. Uh, Xander Bogarts three for 12 had a moonshot that cleared the monster. Went on to lands down game two. Uh, dinged up JD Martinez though had the most well, other than Bradley had the most hits uh, in the series four for 13 also hit a home run but he was actually a strikeout machine the last uh, two games of the series with five but got a hit in every game regardless so a little bit of all or nothing from JD but um, let's see Austin Davis continues to look pretty good Ryan Brazier, as I said earlier, five straight scoreless appearances. I noticed, though, if you look at his game logs, he's been used very sparingly. Never back to back days, sometimes, you know, a few days in between. So I'm not sure if he's ever going to be like the seventh inning guy, so to speak. Going to be 35 in August, by the way, which is insane. I, I mean,. I would have assumed he was like 31, 32 tops, but, but we forget, you know, he went to Japan for a little while and, um, you know, has hasn't had the the path that most, uh, relievers, you know, typically have, especially where, where they end up finding their way back to the majors. But, uh, Strom looked actually pretty good as well. Uh, only one appearance, but didn't give up a walk or a hit any uh, Waka. yeah we
0: gotta get we make sure we get walk Oh, in there. true yeah
1: because if the red sox win
0: it's in a game walker pitched because it's like 50 percent of the time so
1: okay. <laughs> yeah i touched on him a little bit but had kind of a wonky 60 inning uh 60 inning why do i keep saying that 60 yeah. pitch outing but gets yanked andrew uh, andrew liked it because you know uh, because of Otani. I thought
0: Otani would have taken him, like, 450, mm-hmm. honestly. I, <laughs> I, like
2: yeah, I I, I meant to bring that up when I had Alex Cora as my dud. I hated that move. Like, talk about managing scared. And, look, they got away with it, okay? They won the game, so, you know, everyone kind of forgets about it. But if he pulled Walker at 60 pitches and the bullpen came in and blew that game and you end up getting swept, like, we, we would be sitting here ripping him even more than we already are, like – I hated that move. I know Otani was coming up, but Walker's a veteran. He's he's been around the block. Like he's it's not some twenty-two year old rookie that you're trying to protect. Like stop managing scared with your veteran pitcher that you brought in here, by the way. So like, I I hated that move.
1: Real quick before we get into the uh, White Sox matchups, Trevor Story. Golden sombrero today, that's four strikeouts for the uh, casual listener. Uh, two for 12, you know, continues to kind of trend around the Mendoza line. Are you guys worried at all or no?
0: No, um, no, I would say no, not yet at least. I mean, he looked great the other day where he had, what, he ripped two doubles. I think he's started to time it a little bit better. I think Otani just screwed up his day quite frankly. Tony was bringing 98 in the zone form and then he threw him a completely out of character uh, slider uh, to that caught the inside part of the plate when he was expecting fastball. He just had it wrapped up today. I, I actually thought we were in the midst of kind of a Trevor Story breakout leading up to today.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not hugely concerned about Trevor Story. Um, I don't like the rumors that are swirling that you know, it really Boston really had to go head over heels to, to get him here. And it's starting to feel like a David price situation all over again, where they just really outbid Texas to get him here. And this wasn't his first choice. And is he really happy here? Blah, blah, blah. But we are only a month in, so I'm not going to hit the panic button. I'm not going to stress too much about those rumors that are coming up. Um, I think by July, Trevor's or June or July, Trevor's story is going to be just fine. He's going to be hitting the way we want him to. The strikeouts need to go down, though. That that is one thing, especially if he's going to be hitting leadoff. Like, I I would like to see. I'd like to see him in the whole lineup. Learn how to take a walk every now and then. But overall, no, I'm not hugely
1: concerned. I'm not either. And you know, the the one position player contract, other than Sandoval, but I, I for some reason I just don't even count that the one contract that haunts me is, is the Carl Crawford one. And I don't really see, I don't see that in Trevor story. Like I see a guy when he comes to the plate, he's locked in and he is starting to drive the ball a little bit and he looks comfortable and the, you know, there's no slumps that are, are weighing on him or appearing to be weighing on him. And I just think, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, an electric factory at the top of that lineup if if we ever do get going. But I, I'm I'm not worried at all about him. He was getting booed a lot today, apparently.
2: Yeah, after the fourth strikeout, he he definitely heard the boos, yeah. um, which that's going to happen, especially when the team is struggling. So,
1: okay, well, let's go ahead and get into the White Sox series here. Now, they are scuffling uh, about almost as bad as we are. They have to be a little bit better, but hang on. I'm getting the standings up right now, but they are sub-500 last I checked, 11-13. and 13. Uh, They're three games behind the Twins, surprisingly. I don't think anybody um, had the Twins winning the division, but... Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're getting uh, the White Sox. I'll also say this. I'm going by the ESPN schedule because MLB.com has just been terrible with uh, getting the matchups up. It's always TBD. And when we did the Angel series on the last show, they had Otani pitching on Wednesday and not Thursday. So take this off for what it's worth. I'm pretty confident, though, this will be right. We got Nathan Avoldi pitching against is that Hector Velasquez? I'm only saying, that him. is uh Vince Velasquez. Vince Velasquez, athlete. right. That's who I that was the vision in my head. I uh, Hector Velasquez with the Red Sox reliever if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Vince Velasquez. So he's with he's with Chicago now. I didn't I didn't realize that. They got some injuries though. Lance Lynn I think still out. I uh, isn't Giolito on the on the Giolito's back. Gialito's oh, he's back. back. He's back. Okay. Yep. Well, he's not pitching in this series. But um, but yeah. So anyway, that should be a, a cupcake matchup for the Red Sox theoretically. Uh, Velasquez not very good. He's a journeyman. Ben, I, I think he started in what Texas, went to the Phillies, and uh, now with Toronto. There, uh, Toronto, uh, the White Sox. There might have been another stop in there, but if, if there was
0: any time to take a walk for the first time this season, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, this guy will walk a ballpark if you let him.
1: Okay. Well, okay. yeah,
2: he does have, he has seven walks and 17 innings pitched. So, uh, he, he, this should be, like you said, should be a cupcake, should be a good, you know, a good guy for the Red Sox offense to, uh, bounce back against. But <laughs> with them, who knows? But I do like Ivaldi in that matchup. Uh, the White Sox are without Yoan Makata right now, one of their better offensive players. So, um, I like Evaldi in that matchup. I think, I think they'll take care of business.
1: I like Evaldi too. I just don't know if I like our damn bats to score enough runs, but we do seem to win the opener every time as you guys were saying. So I guess I'll take Evaldi there. This next one's going to be fun. It's just two guys trying to find themselves. Nick Pavetta versus Dallas Keuchel. How do you guys have that one?
2: If, if Pavetta is not a complete disaster, this should be a runaway. Dallas Keuchel blows. He, does. like he, he, he doesn't have it anymore. He is completely cooked. Um. So as much as I was saying Vince Velasquez should be a get-right guy for the Red Sox offense, if he's not, Dallas Keuchel absolutely should be. If the, if the Red Sox can't hit Dallas Keuchel, we've got – major major <laughs> problems this year so uh this should be a win even if Pavetta gives up four or five runs the red Sox should score seven or eight against keichel so this should be a win
0: yeah i it's only a matter of time before keichel's out of that rotation um he's a huge issue for the white Sox, a huge liability i hope that he's pitching this game <laughs> i'm not 100 sure if he is um If he is, I actually feel confident about this one.
1: Keiko has, uh, I don't know what's worse, uh, an 840 ERA or a 2.33 whip. Those are are brutal. Uh, I mean, a 150 whip is not great. I mean, some guys can get away with it if they're, you know, getting the bases loaded and getting out of it every time. But, um, but yeah, the Keiko is just hot garbage at this point. And he's a former Cy Young guy and only 34 years old and had a pretty good run with the Astros. But just what a what a drop-off to a career. And uh, Pavetta showing some life in, in the last couple starts, so seems to be on his way to figuring it out. Hopefully the, the velocity will continue to go back up just mechanical you know head case stuff with him but yeah we'll figure it out luis robert he was my first round pick i think i drafted like ninth out of uh 12 something like that and uh had to go with him and uh he's hasn't been super great so it's this should be a win for the Red Sox based on our first two picks here. You know, Voldy and and uh, and Pavetta in game two. But, oh, man, I lost my uh, matchup. So, it's Michael Waka in game three. And who's the – do you guys have the Chicago yeah, starter?
2: According to – well, ESPN says it's still in cease.
1: Oh, oh that's brutal. Uh,
2: which, if that's the case, uh, night night, you're not losing <laughs> – you're you're gonna get blanked on Mother's Day. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got a good old-fashioned Mother's Day shutout. Dylan C's gonna strike out like eleven Red Sox that day. So uh so I still have them winning two out of three, but yeah, Sundays could get ugly.
0: Um bold prediction, The Red Sox throw no hitter and lose one to nothing on
1: Sunday. <laughs> 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 yeah, it'll be a combined probably no hitter and yeah. Here's another annoying thing. Um, Nesson will probably only have one of those games, I'm assuming. Oh,
0: tomorrow's the Apple, Apple? TV
1: game. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and man. actually, uh. on Sunday, I think you can see that one on NBC. That's the only... One in that whole lineup where you can actually see it on NBC. All the other teams playing after this Sunday will have to be on Peacock when it's their turn to go on that and, app. And Sunday's a weird start time. It's eleven thirty on Sunday. Yeah, so that's that's an early one. That must be to so, accommodate their TV lineup. NBC, probably, yeah. <laughs>
0: Are the Red Sox going up against the Celtics on Saturday? So if like the one game that they have <laughs> that you know people can watch, it's they're not even gonna watch it. They they Cause... will be directly
2: against the Celtics. Celtics <laughs> yeah, start at three Red Sox start at 4 10.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, that's, no one's gonna watch that Not a good
1: weekend for <laughs> Nesson. That series is one to one, right? Celtics? It is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I I knew they dropped the first one. And the Bruins is is that two nothing? 2 they're losing two nothing. They're toast. <laughs> yeah, they're toast. The okay. Bruins will be out of the playoffs by Sunday.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. yeah. <laughs> People don't have to worry about watching
1: that one. No, I, uh, I'm not a hockey guy obviously, but I heard the Carolina matchup wasn't great for, for them. Um, all right. So that's, that's the series. Um, I don't know why I'm picking two out of three, but the, the white Sox are scuffling. So, um, maybe this could be our second win. Our our other win, our only win, uh came against an AL Central team. What what's worse, Andrew? Me picking the Tigers to win or Jason picking ninety-four game ninety four men. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I
0: was actually on the Tigers subreddit the other day and just going through their Doom scrolling on Twitter, and they are done with Eron already. It's kind of funny.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> they, been are, bad. they are
0: out on that experiment.
1: Have you seen the earrings he wears? They're like super... the ones Cora wouldn't let him wear. Yeah, super... Cora wouldn't let him wear those. Yeah, I don't like the look at all. They're just dangly. If he had just had something, you know, small or whatever.
0: No, I think he's Barry Bonds out there. <laughs> I just, that is
2: one thing I'll, I'll defend Cora on because Cora, like his whole thing with Erod the whole time he's here, is like, he needs to kind of grow up and be a little more mature. And like, if he wants to be a dominant starting pitcher, he immediately goes to Detroit. He's like, oh, I got my earrings back and I got my contract. And he kind of blows now. It's like, you know, maybe Cora was right.
1: He's had some bad starts, though, to his previous seasons. You know, he's had some bad Aprils, I should say, so. Um, uh, you know, I'm not rooting against the guy, but, uh, hopefully he figures it out, uh, for, for Detroit's sake. So, all right, we're going to wrap on this one in deep dives, very prospect heavy episode. Uh, there'll be some Casas, Duran talk. Uh, we'll probably talk some Jeter downs as well. So, um stay tuned for that that'll be your uh your weekend uh show released on uh saturday morning so if you got a road trip or whatever this weekend going someplace nice take us with you and uh and then we'll be back on sunday to discuss what did happen in this white Sox series so everyone have a nice weekend take care